Blog Talk Radio. You're listening to Starseed Radio Academy, empowering Starseed to better serve the planet. Welcome to Starseed Radio Academy. It's Tuesday, October 29th, 2019, and I'm your host, Ariel Taylor, with my co-hosts, Lavendar and Anastasia. Remember, Mercury goes retrograde on October 31st, and you can read about that online on our website and many others. Our special guest this evening is Marianya Curtis, who is a holistic therapist, visionary, personal guide, and temple guide in training with the 13 Moon Mystery School. She offers quantum leap uh, quantum leaps to assist you with deep personal growth. She has helped thousands of clients since 1996 in her sacred space known as Return to Joy. Marianya's life experiences and trauma led to deep depression as a, as a young mother, a midlife soul call, astrologically verified, validated a giant leap of faith. Questing returned her to roots of spiritual guidance, soul coaching, Reiki, and massage, learning methods that helped her take her life back. Instead of being rough and tough in her former world of men as a Jill of all trades, she now works in the gentler feminine world of healing the whole body from damage accumulated in our matriarchal lineage. In her words, no one told me it wasn't my fault. A haunting, insidious belief that I was damaged goods filled me. Unseen feelings run your life. Shame and guilt were the cornerstones keeping me small. Activating soul memories and purpose of the priestess lineage emerged in Ireland's sacred stone circles and Mary Magdalene sites in southern France. I live a blessed life because I took the risk of metamorphosing. You can check out her website, which is MarianyaCurtis.com. And Marianya is spelled M-A-R-Y-A-I-N-E, Curtis, C-U-R-T-I-S.com. At the top of the show, it's Anastasia's Starseed News, bringing topics of interest to starseeds not heard in the mainstream. And we'd like to thank Kathy, Jada, and Fiona for hosting the switchboard tonight for those who may have a question or comment for our guest. We have an online Starseed community at starseedhotline.ning.com, and it's a safe place to connect with other Starseeds thanks to Tammy's helpful dedication. You can download our shows on iTunes or right here on Blog Talk. And if you'd like to show your support of our program, all you have to do is click follow on our page here, and you'll get our weekly show notices if you enable those. Our main website is starseedhotline.com. The Stage 1 Starseed confirmations are based on Lavendar's discovery of star markings and your natal astrological chart. And the Stage 2 session is a one-on-one phone session available with Lavendar, Anastasia, or myself. And due to a huge increase in requests for readings, there is now up to a 16-week wait for the Stage 1s. But with Rebecca's help, we expect the wait time to be gradually reduced. We deeply appreciate the patient understanding of those who have been waiting. Lavendar is now booking February and asks that her repeat clients book at least six months ahead, especially for your solar return. Um, Because every time someone with a YouTube following recommends us, our waiting lists continue to grow. 
Now, if you have a birthday coming up, you don't want to miss out on your 10 hours of power. You can find out when that happens by requesting your solar return timing. And that chart only takes a couple of days. But if you want the stage two interpretation of that chart, you'll need to order it at least six months ahead so that you can get it in before your 10 hours. So uh, first up tonight, I want to introduce Anastasia with her wonderful, fascinating, informative Starseed News. Hello. Hi, Anastasia. I can't hear you. Anastasia, try try plugging your thing in again. We can't hear you. Can you hear me now? Yeah. Hello. It's still quiet, but good. at least I can hear you. Oh, you can hear me. Oh, yeah, now we can hear you good. Okay. Oh, oh, okay, good. Boy, I'm sorry. It has a short in it. I guess I need to do something about that. Um, I have several sets. I have several sets, and I grab them, and then I I need to just throw this one away after tonight. Okay. All right. Well, NASA is warning people about a space rock that is twice the size of the Eiffel Tower that's due to skim past Earth coming in November. Now, this uh, seemingly never-ending stream of Earth-bound space rocks is continuing because this Apollo-class asteroid, which measures up to 2,034 feet in diameter, is due to skim past our planet on November 21st. Mark your calendars. It's a biggie. And uh, I want to talk to you tonight about what's going on in California. There are massive new power outages expected across California as the powerful Santa Ana winds return. Fires are going to continue to rage in California this week as winds are fueling the spread of the flames, sparking evacuations, power outages, and perilous conditions across the state. I looked at the map, and it is awesomely awful, the fire map. The U.S. National Weather Service says a cocktail of strong offshore winds and dry conditions are set to play a role in this situation, which has been officially declared a statewide emergency, no wonder, over the weekend by the governor. The forecast is constantly evolving. Maps from the weather agency show a red flag warning remains in effect across the North Bay, East Bay, and Santa Cruz Mountains. Active fires continue to threaten lives and property. If told to evacuate, don't wait. Fires may spread rapidly in these areas, the National Weather Service said today. Californians are bracing once again for power outages throughout the state as utilities consider sweeping blackouts amid the returning high winds. This is a dreadful situation. Pacific Gas and Electric Company announced yesterday that it could shut off power to 605,000 customers Tuesday and Wednesday in its latest bid to reduce the wildfire risk. This means that well over a million people people could lose power. Now, that blackout would cover more than two dozen northern California counties, including Siskiyou County, uh, Mount Shasta area, and would come just days after a much larger power shutoff that covered nearly one million customers over the weekend. Now, that outage is believed to have affected more than 2 million residents in the Bay Area and other northern regions. Got a lot of people on my mind tonight. Uh, To the south, a forecast of more Santa Ana winds prompted Southern California Edison to say it could shut off power to more than 350,000 customers, which includes Los Angeles, Ventura, Santa Barbara, San Bernardino, and Riverside counties. Now, residents were forced to evacuate in darkness 
after PG&E power outages, they had to use flashlights and cell phones to light the way. Now, millions of Californians have learned this month what it's like to live without electricity in the 21st century. As Pacific Gas and Electric, Southern California Edison, and San Diego Gas and Electric have shut down power lines in an unprecedented effort to avoid starting wildfires. These uh, preemptive blackouts, known as public safety power shutoffs, are likely to continue until the utility companies have upgraded their infrastructure sufficiently to minimize the risk of fires. Where is the Public Service Commission of the state of California and the political arm, the power structure that has allowed this? What have they done to the people of California? And in the meantime, PG&E's chief executive has warned that the use of planned outages could last, guess how long? Another decade. Does anybody in this country understand what a crisis this is? This is a precedent for the rest of the country, and this all comes because political people have allowed this to happen and because the power companies have glutted themselves with profits and not attended to their public duty. An absolute, utter disgrace not to mention a terrible burden on the lives of people in an entire state. This has ramifications far beyond what the average person can even comprehend. But unless you've lived it, you can't imagine how awful it is. Well, in the Philippines, they've been hit by a 6.6 magnitude quake two weeks only after another tremor in the same region. It struck on the, in the Philippines today, the southern Philippines. It injured people and damaged buildings sent people terrified running into the streets as schools and offices opened for the day. happened early. Rescue teams have been fanning out to assess the damage in the region. Electricity and phone services were knocked out by the power of the quake. And there's a new cyclone. It's called Cyclone Kayar. It formed last Thursday and quickly spun up in the Indian Ocean. It is the most powerful storm on the planet as of last Thursday. Cyclone Kayar rapidly intensified over the weekend, going from the equivalent of a Category 2 to a Category 4 storm in just six hours on Saturday. At that time, it was packing winds of 150 miles an hour. The odd thing about this is the uh, pressure of the uh, cyclone reached 915 millibars, which is really low. The point being, it set a new record for Arabian Sea cyclones, which are rare to start with. And uh, Hurricane Pablo has become the sixth Atlantic hurricane to form in an unusual location. Hurricane Pablo is the sixth uh, Atlantic hurricane to happen in a very strange place. Uh, It strengthened hurricane on Sunday. And the point is, the place which is so unusual for a hurricane is 42.8 degrees north latitude. And that's right near Boston on the U.S. east coast. Now, the only other storm since 1950 that has reached hurricane intensity at a farther north latitude was an unnamed hurricane back in 71, which formed at 46 degrees north latitude. Now, hurricanes form in warm water. This is happening in very cold water. Very, very unusual. And this is the sixth one. There's been a lot of flooding all over the planet, as well as very heavy snows. Goodness sakes, I didn't even cover the snow stories uh, tonight. It's just phenomenal amounts of snows in our country, in the mountainous areas. But across the world, lots and lots of flooding. 
uh, thousands have had to leave, uh, live in tents as floods hit uh, North Sumatra in Indonesia. Uh, floodwaters inundated at least 11 districts following heavy rains that hit that region in the past week, leaving about 1,100 houses flooded and thousands of people stranded in evacuation sites. And in uh, uh, Tanzania, in East Africa, they have had floods that have caused deaths, and that has been from heavy rain. So lots of floods all over the planet. Uh, here's an article that, well, it says, the, the headline says, U.S. military could collapse within 20 years due to climate change. And this comes from a report that was commissioned by the Pentagon. And, yep, yeah, according to a new, new U.S. Army report, Americans could face a grim future from, from climate change, which will involve blackouts, disease, thirst, starvation, and more. The study found that the U.S. military could also collapse. They say this could happen over the next two decades, according to the report. The senior U.S. government officials who wrote the report are from several key agencies, including the Army, Defense Intelligence Agency, and NASA. The study called on the Pentagon to urgently prepare for the possibility that domestic power, water, and food systems might collapse due to the impacts of climate change as we approach the mid-century. Now, this report was commissioned by Trump's new chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, which, by the way, according to this article, makes him the highest-ranking military officer in the country and also puts him at odds with Trump, who does not take climate change seriously. Well, I didn't know this until today about the pigs of the world. Maybe some of you have heard about it. I hadn't. Too much stuff going on, too much news to report, and nobody to report it. But here it is for you tonight. Uh, there's a shortage of hogs. Uh, after an estimated 25% of Earth's pigs have been wiped out by swine fever. The story tells us that African swine fever is killing millions upon millions of pigs all over the world. And this threatens to create a crippling global shortage of protein as we move into 2020. Now this epidemic began in China last year. And it's now also running wild in North Korea, Vietnam, Laos, Cambodia, Myanmar, and the Philippines. But this crisis is not limited to Asia. According to the Washington Post, so far in 2019, there have been outbreaks in Belgium, Bulgaria, Hungary, Latvia, Poland, Romania, Russia, and Ukraine. Overall, the cases of African swine fever have been documented in nearly 50 nations and U.S. pork producers are very worried that it could start spreading here as well. Now, African swine fever is extremely contagious. There is no vaccine, and there is no cure. China being the epicenter for this crisis. The Chinese herd has shrunk by around 130 million hogs since this first began this year. Now, the country is home to half of all the pigs on the planet, this is according to data from the Chinese Agricultural Ministry. And to put that in perspective, there are only about 70 million pigs in the United States. Now, of course, the virus continues to sweep through China like wildfire, and some projections are that up to 70% of China's pigs could die. Needless to say, this crisis could drive up the price of pork. And according to CNN, the price of pork in China is now nearly 
70% higher than it was this time last year. Well, Mm. October isn't over, and yet we've had 31 inches of snow that has already fallen in Great Falls, Montana. Uh, It's starting to act more like December or January than it is uh, fall, autumn. And so just four months into the snow year, we've had more than a half of a typical year's worth of snow recorded in Great Falls already. Half a year's worth already. The UN reports that over 200,000 people have been displaced by flooding in Ethiopia this month. There's been terribly heavy rainfall from early October that has caused the rivers to overflow in Somali and, uh, and the related tributaries to those rivers. And in Japan, torrential rain has triggered more flooding and mudslides in the eastern parts of Japan only two weeks after devastating floods caused by Typhoon Hajibus. Japan's meteorological agency said that three and a half inches of rain fell in just one hour at one location a few days ago, and in a 12-hour period that same day, as much as 12 inches fell in 12 hours. Wow. Well, about the Texas uh, tornado outbreak. The nine tornadoes that hit the Dallas, Texas area 10 days ago have caused an estimated $2 billion in damage, according to an insurer trade group, making it the costliest tornado loss in Texas history. Commercial and business losses are still being estimated, but this agency said that it is thought that more than 30,000 auto and home claims will be filed as a result of the October 20th tornado outbreak. 30,000 insurance claims. And so far, $2 billion in damages without considering the commercial and business losses. I didn't know this either until I was preparing this week's news, but the western U.S. coastline is being devastated as purple sea urchin population is growing up 10,000% in five years. The purple sea urchin. Well, hundreds of millions of voracious purple sea urchins that have already chomped their way through towering underwater kelp forests in California are spreading north to Oregon, sending the delicate marine ecosystem off the shore into such disarray that other critical species are starving to death. A recent count found that 300 million and more purple sea urchins on one Oregon reef alone, this is more than a 10,000% increase since 2014. And in Northern California, 90% of the giant bull kelp forests have been devoured by the urchins, perhaps never to return. No more kelp. Well, they're calling these urchin barrens, and vast stretches of these barrens of denuded seafloor is dotted with nothing but hundreds of the spiny orbs. They've spread coastal Oregon, where kelp forests were once so thick it was impossible to navigate in some areas by boat. That's kind of like, it reminds me of a locust uh, invasion in the water. I mean, they're just eating up everything. Well, in our wrong time, wrong place department, uh, one of the rarest species of birds to visit Britain has turned up in the U.K. when it should have been on its way to South America. It's named a Swainson's thrush. 
and this this sighting in the UK is classified as mega super rare. It landed on the Shetland Island on Sunday. It took a wrong turn, obviously. Instead of being in the jungle, it found itself several thousand miles off course in a wintry location. Well, Swainson's thrush breeds in Canada, Alaska, and parts of the United States, but it migrates to Mexico or Argentina for the winter. And it is now in the UK. Bless its little heart. Ah. Well, space news. The space plane is back. The U.S. Air Force X-37B space plane has touched down at NASA's Kennedy Space Center almost two years after Falcon 9 rocket launched it, smashing its own record for the longest time in space as its mission remains veiled in secrecy. Nobody knows what this plane does. Uh, It's an unpiloted plane. It looks kind of like a miniature space shuttle. came back to Earth on Sunday. It wrapped up its 780-day stint in orbit, 780 days. Originally, it was built to spend up to 240 days in space, but this top-secret aircraft has so far conducted five missions, each spanning longer than the previous one. And the sixth mission is uh, set to be launched next year. What's it doing up there? Everybody wonders what's going on up there. Well, here is probably a starseed person who's doing a great thing for the planet. He's a Dutch inventor, and he's invented something wonderful. A Dutch inventor is expanding his effort to clean up floating plastic from the Pacific Ocean because now he's decided to clean up plastic from the rivers. He invented a new floating device to catch garbage before it reaches the seas. Some young person. He's only 25. He's a university dropout, and he founded the Ocean Cleanup Corporation, or organization, I should say, to develop and deploy a system he invented when he was 18 years old that catches plastic waste floating in the ocean. You know, I reported in the past on all of the ocean garbage. Never heard this boy mentioned before, but here it is. Now, on Saturday, he unveiled the next step in his fight against plastic pileup on water. He has developed a floating solar-powered device that he calls the Interceptor that scoops plastic out of rivers as it drifts past. How cool is that? He said, we need to close the tap, which means preventing more plastic from reaching the ocean in the first place. We need to clear up the arteries that carry the trash from land to sea. Now, in the past, his organization, according to this article, has drawn criticism for focusing only on the plastic already floating in the oceans. Well, I'd never heard of this guy before. So, man, they're criticizing him for for doing that. I think it's great that he's doing that. Well, that criticism led him to uh, expand his company and his efforts. So he is now trying to clean out the plastic in the rivers, which is a good thing. But experts tell us that some 9 million tons of plastic waste float every year into the ocean from beaches, rivers, and creeks. Uh, So three of this young man's plastic cleanup machines are now deployed to Indonesia, Malaysia, and Vietnam. And by the way, those countries are horrendous polluters, as evidenced by photographs on the Internet. But anyway, he's going to send a fourth one uh, to the Dominican Republic, which is also a major uh, ocean polluter. So that's wonderful. Somebody has invented a solution. Uh, Man. 
That's great. Okay, our final story for tonight is in our psychology department, and this isn't going to come as news to anybody. What's interesting is they did a study on it. Okay, we could have told them that. We all could have told them their conclusions, but you know how it is. They want to study stuff. So a recent study by researchers at, researchers at Bingham University finds that simply being nice to employees and taking an interest in them personally and professionally almost always leads to better productivity and improved job performance. Right, sure. A team of international researchers tried to determine how the presence and lack of generally benevolent attitudes and behaviors by bosses affect the performance and productivity of their subordinates at work. So the authors surveyed about 1,000 members of the Taiwanese military and nearly 200 adults working full-time in the United States. They examined three different leadership styles, defined as authoritarian dominant, benevolent dominant, and classical paternalistic leadership. Now, authoritarianism dominant leaders try to assert absolute authority and control while focusing on completing tasks at all costs and not considering an employee's well-being. Benevolence-dominant leadership centers on the personal and familial well-being of subordinates. That is, these bosses want their workers to feel supported and cared for in the office. And classical paternalistic leadership combines both leadership styles, focusing on completed tasks and their employees' overall well-being. And the researchers found that the authoritarian dominant leadership model always sapped, exhausted employee productivity, while benevolent dominant bosses almost always boosted job performance. The researchers concluded that showing compassion motivates employees. However, the researchers also found that the classical paternalistic leadership style had just as strong an effect on employee performance as the benevolent dominant leadership. And they say that this is because this type of relationship resembles a familial model that's formed during childhood. The researchers said, subordinates and employees are not tools or machines that you can just use. They are human beings and deserve to be treated with respect. Make sure you are focusing on their well-being and helping them find the support that they need while also being clear about what your expectations and priorities are. This is a work-based version of tough love often seen in parent-child relationships. In other words, treat people like human beings and treat people like you would like to be treated. Mm, I'm glad somebody stamped that with the research approval. (laughs) You know, I think that... How much money did they spend on that? I want to know how much money they spent on that research. Somebody, Somebody made, you know, made probably made a couple of car payments on that or more, sure. Um, <laughs> it probably supported some researchers for a couple of years. But, you know, as our society is becoming, and the world, I mean, this is not just the United States, all across the world, people are dealing with more totalitarian and author- authoritative-type governments. Um, we're seeing the rise in this approach. And um, sociologists and psychologists are beginning to pay close attention now to narcissism and uh, psychopathy and both in the uh, government and in workplaces 
and people are, uh, it's really been established that people are being run down by their work and being exhausted and drained energetically on the job. And so thankfully, uh, those social scientists are beginning to study this because, again, for people in general to accept a finding, you know, common sense, they have to say that they've researched it, they've proved it in a laboratory, and they are beginning now to research these subjects because they're really it's a counterbalance uh, to the authoritarian, cold, mechanistic, abusive type of um, relationships between superiors and subordinates all, in, all, all across the board in, as society becomes uh, more weighted toward the power of the wealthy and less uh, helpful towards the unfortunate. So it's good that they are doing these type of studies as this is what it takes uh, to verify that just common humanity is in want all across uh, the, the network of our lives. We're losing touch with that. And as we have leadership that exemplify this, uh, it, it ripples down throughout all aspects of society. And as materialism takes a dominance and its productivity and unlimited growth at all costs, uh, people are often, um, you know, the, uh, the casualties of this kind of focus. So I hope that my sharing this study with some of you who, uh, that I know personally who um, suffer from workplace neglect and abuse and disrespect, that you'll take some courage in that, um, and it will fortify you and help you understand that you not only have, you have human rights, absolutely, and we are all human beings that deserve to be treated with respect. <clears throat> and I think if you take that into the workplace and you carry that in your face and in your demeanor and in your expectation of what you expect from your employer, that um, we have to begin to do that. You have to begin to, you know, sort of like interview the boss in a way and interview the company that you're working for. We need to have the attitude that I'm not sure you're deserving of me and not the other way around. Sometimes we need to put a different spin on things because that really is walking in truth. And the truth is, is that you deserve to be respected at all times and in all conditions. And you also deserve to be supported. And if you're not getting it, you are within your rights and within your d divine center to expect that in any situation. Well, let me share with you some wonderful quotes. After a night of particularly stressful news, I want to quote what Anne Frank said. It's so true. It's so true. So above all this, as the world is tumbling around in this time of great, tremendous change and upheaval, keep this in mind, please. Take this with you. I might start quoting to you this to you every night. <laughs> every night we have a <laughs> show. I'm going to remind you. Everyone has inside of them a piece of good news. The good news is that you don't know how great you can be, how much you can love, what you can accomplish, and what your potential is. The good news is that you have been assigned this mountain to show others that it can be moved. Wow. That's wonderful. It's wonderful. So take all of you take that with you into the coming week. You all have good news within you. Let's bring that good news into the headlines. Let's make everybody read it, see it, live it. And from my heart to each one of you, everybody, much love. Have a beautiful week. Thank you, Ariel. Oh, thank you so much, Anastasia. And I would hope that our listeners make an effort to nurture Mother Earth and and 
um, help others to do the same and find that respect and connection because I think it's the the disconnect and disrespect of Mother Nature that is involved in this, you know, a planetary weather crisis. That is absolutely correct. I'm very glad you mentioned that. We are that is so 100% right. We ought so, to have a guest on sometime to talk about that very thing. That is, um, you know, we're all busy. We all live hurried lives. We we're just put under the gun all the time. We're in this great wheel, this great grinding stress and demands on our time and our attention but at some point we need to revolt and it was thomas jefferson who said you know when injustice becomes law rebellion becomes duty but the fact is is that when the world is taking every ounce of energy you have just to exist that you don't feel like you have enough time to connect with mother earth that you can't get into nature that you can't find peace and quiet that you won't do it that you're choosing other things noise chaos assignments, uh, whatever, whatever in your life you're filling it up with, um, it's time to take a stand and to say that no matter what, I'm going to take time this day to be with the earth. I'm going to get outside. I'm going to connect. I'm going to find some quiet time. This is the time for that kind of revolt because our very futures depend upon it. I'm glad you brought that up. All righty. I'll let you go. (laughs) Okay. All right. Thank you so much, Anastasia. Okay, I am going to um, get Lavendar's mic open, and our guest, Mariana, i got to find you on the switchboard here. Oh, there it is. Okay, well, Mariana, welcome to the show. We're so happy that you're with us. Me too. Thank you so much. I'm excited to be here. It's, it's wonderful to have you back. And uh, mm-hmm. Lavendar, are you um, you're on and ready to go? Yeah, I'm ready to go. Okay. I've, got kind of a fro- I've kind of got a frog in my throat, and I've been kind of choked here in the last few minutes, so bear with me. <laughs> oh, we've been talking about Mother coming. Earth's energy. So <laughs> yeah. got frogs coming off the earth. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, Marianne, um, tell us a little bit about your trips and the things that you've been experiencing lately. Just start wherever you want to start. Uh, um. I have been actually a fan of lavenders for a long time, and and lavender actually has is the one one of the astrologers that helped validate my calling that was inside of me all along, and the calling was to follow the inner urges to explore the sacred sites and and it just became compelling during the years that my mother passed away I moved back to my home area mom passed away then I was helping take care of dad he was 94 mom was 89 and and um and and I had this so what was that I was 55 and and it's like this double nickels. There's something that's going to happen, and and I felt compelled to go somewhere. And Ireland is what was really calling. And Newgrange was the huge burial mound that had the biggest call to me. I'd seen it online on a 
live replay of the sunrise lighting up the inner tomb during the winter time. So it would be the winter solstice. And that's what got me to Europe in the first place. Uh, uh, written a book called In Search of Sacred Stones, Ireland, and it's a coffee table book, a lot of pictures, and a lot of sacred stone sites. I visited all over Ireland, and then there was one place in particular, a stone circle down in near the, um, wait a minute, what is the name? It's the Drombeg Stone Circle. It's down in the southern tip of Ireland, and it was an amazing place to stand in. So one of the power sites on the ley lines, and and I don't think that I had the Giza crystals yet. That was in 08. I think I got them after. But then I started, so the Giza crystals, you know, Lavendar has them, um, they're on the, the website, anyone can get them, and I started sending them with people that would be in workshops with me for cranial sacral therapy, and people would come from all over the world. I would take the workshops in Big Sur in California, and it's a beautiful mountainside uh, retreat overlooking the ocean, and so I started planting the crystals there and and in Mount Shasta when I went there and sending them home with people that were lived in Japan and Australia, and I, I feel like I've been kind of a, a little crystal fairy able to take these crystals and plant them in sacred sites and send them home with people to put in their sacred sites. And so when I went to France the first time, I made it as far as Chartres Cathedral, where I was able to put some. And I that trip ended early. And I can only figure that the person I was traveling with, the vibration that he held would not have matched where I wanted to be on in southern France for the rest of the trip. So so this was the second time because the first time Lavender is when you went with a group and I was invited but I couldn't um I just didn't have the resources to go on this trip and you went with Kathleen McGowan and Philip Copens and then it was within a year that Philip Copens passed away. So there's these synchronicities happening. And and um, so this time, catching you up, you know, all right, now present time this year with the um, 13 Moon Mystery School training, Elaine Kalila, she put together trips to France, England, to Avalon, and to Egypt. So here's more kind of connections with Giza crystals and and some of Lavender's trips and, and stories and Mary Magdalene, who's lived in all those places, including Spain and Britain, La Avalon. And it was a big yes, absolutely. As soon as I saw it, I was, yes, put my deposit down, I'm going. 
I'll figure out the rest of it later. <laughs> and so I got my tickets, and then that trip was canceled because there weren't enough people to go on it. And I decided to go by myself. So I'd gone to Ireland by myself. I figured I could do France by myself. It's way safer than going with somebody who's unpredictable. And angels walk with me everywhere I go, so I don't worry about people, you know. I don't carry those fears. I, I just refuse to walk in fear. So I know that I'm so blessed from so much of my history. And so I, and Lavender once again said, you have to go to Montague. So that's the first place I went, and, and I want to talk about that in a minute, but I also want to take a breath. And, you know, let, let um, Lavender Ariel comment, um, since I keep bringing you in. Well, I know that France trip that we took with uh, Kathleen McGowan was was a major one because it's the one that really started all of the things that we're doing with Star Seeds um, here in Arkansas. So yeah. um, that was the beginning. And I'm really noticing, Marianne, that, that a lot of people that I have sessions with, I, I ask them, I say, what happened in 2012? Because that seems to be the place where everybody starts changing their consciousness and changing their lives. I mean, people are getting married, people are getting divorced, people are moving, people are quitting their jobs and just jumping straight into alternative thinking. So um, as it went on for many years this way, now I've come to the conclusion that it was the awakening of the star seeds that happened all over the planet. It wasn't so much the Mayan calendar as it was the star seeds awakening. Yes. Don't you feel that too? Yes, Definitely. And and so that experience that I had in 2012 in Paris was there. It was enlightening in some ways, and it was just soul crushing in others because I was in the same pattern again with a man, and and yet at the same time, the thing that was amazing to me is in short. Hardly anybody spoke English, but we had Google Translate, which just opens up all the doors, and that's how I booked rooms and could communicate with people with Google Translate. And it's amazing. But back to the pattern, and that's that's part of what prompted me to take the pilgrimage to France alone. Is, is this fascination that I've had with Mary Magdalene from a very young age and um, my Catholic background. She was the sinner, the woman that had seven demons cast out of her. And, well, and then on the other hand, the other woman we had to look up to had a virgin birth. And so you're, you're on one side or the other. There's no middle ground really. And and women were subjugated and and you know to obey their husband and I think that was even in the vows. It's like oh my and and so I watched my mother who was also a Mary and she had nine children and she was a housewife and a mother and 
and a grandmother and a great-grandmother, and she loved that part of her life, but that was all there was until at 70 years old she began painting, watercolor painting, which was one of the things on her bucket list. And so you're never too old. You're never too old to learn a new skill or craft. And my mother proved it. All of her nine children and 18 grandchildren and and a bunch of greats all have a painting, at least one or two, from mom from that decade. But so while this immersion is happening, see, mom had already passed in 2012. And, um, and so back to my little girlness, mom was actually Greek Orthodox Catholic, which was very different from Roman Catholic. And, and so I always had this other side of the story that made me curious and, and wanting to research the esoteric arts and numerology and astrology and a little bit of tarot and um, essential oils. And, and I was guided to them. But see, it's something that you told me, Lavendar, as I remember it, it was the, I believe it's the Palace Athena that is in my chart. You told me a story about Athena, uh, the high priestess and goddess, that she taught 92 of the priestesses all of the healing arts that she knew. And from the 92 priestesses, now I'm taking a jump from what you said into my own interpretation, that the people that are drawn to the healing arts to the essential oils, to herbology, to the earth mother, to honoring the mer- the mother, and, you know, father sky, father sun, grandmother moon, working with the seasons, recognizing that as women, the moon is ours, and that's a big part of the mystery school teaching is that we are influenced greatly by the moon. And... So those are things that the patriarchy, which I'm going to put in quotes, along with the church in quotes, tried to destroy and did a really fine job of destroying most of the information until recently things have come out. Well, 1945-50, when the Dead Sea Schools were discovered, when, see, Women, I think more than men, mostly women, are writing about the hidden text and interpreting the Bible from the Greek, not the German or the English, and and discovering things that just make sense about Mary Magdalene. So Mary Magdalene, was an equal to Jesus. And and Margaret Starbird talks about, now she's a Catholic historian who actually, I'm pretty sure she left the church. And because she's a biblical scholar, she wrote all these texts, pulling them out of the Bible, and then the interpretation, and then what she believes to be true. 
And I'll just synthesize it that rabbis wore beards. Jesus had a beard. You had to be married to be a rabbi. (laughs) Mary Magdalene was his wife. She was the only person that would have anointed him with oils. She is the last person to see him during his lifetime, along with his mother. She was the first person to see him at the tomb after he'd risen. And and the words, don't touch me, has been so misconstrued because, see, he was now in more of an etheric body that she could see him, but he wasn't of the flesh. But he could materialize to her and, and to others. The same way the Mother Mary, Virgin Mary, the saints have materialized to people all over the world. Lords and France is, is a place, you know, the, the, um, there's so many stories of the Marys. So let's take another jump with all these different things that I've been reading that the Marys, the Mary, is a station that is achieved as you advance in your priestess training. They wore red. <laughs> and, and so the Catholic Church really screwed it up <laughs> and, and made it into a bad thing. And, and Mary means bitterness. It's like, come on. <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm a Mary. And, and um, so all of these things, it's like being gifted this name and my name, you know, starts with the 13th letter of the alphabet. My, my birth name had 13 letters in it. My mother always told me 13 was a lucky number. And, and, you know, that's something that goes way back. That is not popular thinking. And the 13 Moon Mystery School is about the 13 moons of the year. And the 12 apostles and Jesus is 13. The round table of the knights and King Arthur is 13. So there's all these things that converged on me because King Arthur was my favorite reading as, as a young um, adolescent. And, and so all of this stuff coalesced to make sense to me that my drive is to be there and to feel the land, to experience the land. And that's what I did all over southern France from the Pyrenees all the way to Marseille and then up into the mountains and experience it. When I did in Ireland, I experienced it. And Shasta, I sit on the mountain and experience it. I'm not one to read about it first because I don't want it influencing what I pick up intuitively. And then maybe I'll read about it later and see what I think. You know, and and so um, getting to take the beads of crystals with me and plant them is another thing that that has been my joy because I took them with me to France and we had a conversation and and Lavender said that she wants to 
create a map of all the places that they are they are and and I have sand and and I didn't get salt but I got water and I took water over and 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 um it's all been played on at long dance which happens here where I live and and so it was like I was in this blessing zone of blessing the places that I was visiting and receiving the blessings and and it all was even though there was an itinerary, it's really all spirit led. I mean the angels hook me up with people or you know, just things happen that I meet somebody like when I finished coming down from Montserrat, the fairy queen, she was sitting on a rock with her dog and, and just a beautiful woman and, and immediately we're like, I know you, <laughs> you know, we're sisters. We already know that just boom, the vibration of people. And, um, and that's the magic, you know, that I get to carry with me and I get to meet people with and I get met with is, is, um, because magic, you know, like attracts like. And, oh, gosh. So it, so let me, let me so, just say yeah. that I'm really appreciative of you taking these geeses to the places that you've taken them, to the people that you've given them to. You know, that really warms my heart to know that you're um, really taking the geeses in places where they need to go. I wanted to ask you, I th- aren't you writing a book that's going to be coming out next April? Can you tell us a little bit about it? And what what's the name of your book? <laughs> well, um, it's a it's a series of books. This one is um, it it will be number six of the Evolutionary Women series, and it's uh, produced by Flower of Life Press. Now, um, let me think for just a moment. Um, Anyway, they, they, I can't think of her name. Jane Ashley, okay. And she is also in the priestess training with um, the 13 Moon Mystery School. And so it, many of the women are within that group, which is about 70,000 women around the world. And the book that I will be in is on sovereignty. And sovereignty, see, this is, is really my whole life has been about recognizing and acquiring my inner awareness of what sovereignty is. And, and so what sovereignty means to me is the ability to choose, to make my own decisions to have my own income and my own ability to support myself and and the ability to to be able to decide that yes, I'm going to France. Yes, I'm going to England next year. I'm not sure how it's all going to happen. I'm just putting out the intention. And so sovereignty is the ability to choose and and be your own authority. And that all comes from inside. So I'm writing a chapter about sovereignty. And my book, which will be later, it's, it's 
the, really the, the overriding theme of my book is about sovereignty and and my story in life is kind of shifting a little bit to what is most important and that's what's happening with me in these past five years and and coming into my own mm, confidence and, and inner authority. And so part of it will be what I know now if I'd known then, the types of choices I would have made, how I may have changed things. And, and I'm writing it primarily for women that may be making big life choices like getting married, having children, or, you know, are you with the right partner? Are you settling? Are you thinking you're too old to, um, nobody's going to want you, so this person does, so, well, better marry him. I've done that. And and it doesn't work. I'm here to tell you that. And <laughs> don't marry for money. It doesn't <laughs> It doesn't work. I, I mean, I never have. I've walked away from owning lots because I was getting more and more controlled. And being controlled by another person has nothing to do with sovereignty, very much to do with Anastasia was talking about the bosses, you know, how controlling they are. If, if you feel like you can't make a decision or you're walking on eggshells, around somebody, they're taking energy from you. And and the faster you can get away from them, the better. Some people may have been raised by a parent that is an uh, energy um, taker. I like to call them energy vampires. But see, it's recognizing that. And most important, what I write about, is how you intuitively know how if if you're if you're feeling heavy and drained by decisions by people by employees bosses doctors anybody neighbors then then it's not a balanced relationship there you're leaking energy first off you don't have boundaries or you need to put your boundaries in place much more thoroughly than you have been so that they can't keep taking from you. And and that's the most important thing is to learn how to have boundaries. And I think for so many women, we just were never taught to have boundaries because for millennia, throughout our lineage, we were not allowed to have boundaries. We were property. So the other part of that and why Mary Magdalene is so important to me is that through our lineage, we bear scars from our mothers, our grandmothers, and way back that has been passed on as ways of making it in the world, what you have to do to survive. And we're in a time right now where even Mother Earth, as, as Anastasia and Ariel were talking about, you know, all of these big things that are occurring are because mankind has been raping Mother Earth for so long that she's got to have earthquakes and floods to balance out, you know, the properties within her so that she doesn't just spin off into space. And 
I'm sure there's there's something that you may have tried balancing before that that you needed to put more dirt or water or something to make it stay up. Um, I can't picture what it would be at the moment, but the Earth floats out there in space, and if there's huge holes put into her, then you know that creates a wobble, and we're responsible. And and coming back to Earth respect is so important and has everything to do with the teachings and and the idea of living with love for every part of let you know the earth the sun the rain the earthworms that help grow your food that the people that tend your food that bring the food to market where you can buy your food and eat your food there's a whole chain that happens that every part of that needs to be respected or if it's not, it doesn't thrive in the same way. It doesn't. We don't thrive in the same way when we forget and we get too busy. Me, for sure, if I try to always have something healthy to eat because I know when I eat a bunch of junk, I feel awful. And so getting back to the earth and 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 astrology and, and what's going on with the planets right now, the Scorpios and the moon are traveling together, right? Um, the new moon is in Scorpio, I believe. And um, and so knowing where the moon is is another part of, you know, what's going on with me because I'm a woman, so the moon is a big influence. So, so Marianne, I just as you brought that up, I wanted to tell you and all the listeners uh, today in the sky, Athena is 25 Scorpio, Venus oh. is 26 Scorpio, Mercury is 27 Scorpio, and the Moon is 27 Scorpio. So wow. it's a big Pleiadian um, frequency day for a lot of people. If you oh have, my gosh! If you have 25, 26, or 27 degrees of Scorpio or Taurus in your chart then that means you were really highly activated today. So will you repeat that again for me and the listeners? So Scorpio and the the numbers. So there was a stellium of planets. It's a Pleiadian lineup type of energy. Athena, Mm -hmm. 25 Scorpio. Venus at 26 Scorpio. Mercury at 27 Scorpio. And moon at 27 Scorpio. Wow, that was today. Yeah, that's and I had wild. a session with and I had a se- session with a lady who had moon in Scorpio, and and it was very dynamic, <laughs> very dynamic. Today. Right, right. And then next month is the well, only a couple of weeks away is Pleiadian lineup, right? No, I know. And on that day, I think we have uh, Jupiter uh, at 26. Sagittarius, which is the mark of galactic center. Of course, it won't be back again for 12 years. So this Pleiadian lineup is really going to be big. So there's so much going on right now. And so how do you choose what you're going to do? That's the big question. And I think the way that you should choose it is the thing that keeps coming back in your head or, or when somebody mentions it two or three times. 
that whatever it is that you're trying to make a decision about, you know, check inside and feel into it. Even um, make your body into a pendulum, which is energy medicine, and, and so you're tapping into your subconscious. Now, this is a real thing that I do a lot when I make decisions is I, I set up with my body, my subconscious, you know, that leaning forward means yes, leaning backwards means no. And so when I'm trying to make one of these big decisions, if I'm not using a, um, you know, dousing, I'm um, using my body and I'll say, you know, what is the best thing for me to do? Is it best to go to France this year or is it best to go to England this year? Well, my body leaned forward to France. I wanted to go on the Mary Magdalene tour first, which became my own solo pilgrimage. And um, and so that's first for me. And it was so compelling that I had to do it. And that's how things show up in your life, that, that you'll just keep getting kind of bugged by it. The universe is knocking on your door going, hey, are you done with this yet? Or are you going to do this one again? Oh, no, not that. We've already done that a hundred times. Look, look over here. You know, there's something something far better for you to put your attention to. And um, it's a good way to, to make decisions. So, um, so let me ask you, Marianne, are you going to be doing tours to France? I am thinking about it. I would love to um, to go to the major places that I went. Now I don't do tourist stuff. I do off meet off. You know, you've got to know somebody who knows somebody that knows like Montreal. Now you called and said you've got to go there. So that's the second place I went and and climbed up this big mountain and that was where. It, it was like it was a horrible thing happened in the end because the all the Occitanian people, the the people that believed in love and the the teachings that Jesus taught, he and Mary Magdalene and the apostles, but it was mainly Jesus and Mary Magdalene that were teaching this and carried it on about how to live on the land and the Druids. I mean the Druids teach the same information and so you're feeling and you're sensing and you're letting the land tell you what it wants you to know which is very different than historically because ours that was the last stand up in that fortress where they starved them out and that a whole bunch of people died so it was really genocide of all these people in southern France, and it happened in, in England as well. And anyone that it was a pagan belief, which is not a bad thing. Pagan is very similar to Native American, and honoring the Earth Mother and the planets and the seasons and and you know the indigenous peoples all over the world. They live that way, and the earth thrived when it was only them, with all the machinery and chemicals and 
craziness look at America that we've done gold mining and all that. That's what's causing damage is raping the earth basically to just take what we need with no regard. And and so as a tour guide, those you know, is really feeling and getting a sense of where you are, what you're sitting on, what are you feeling? And for me, even though there was this terrible history of monster, I felt the love, and and I I went, I spent four hours up there, and there's little deer trails that went to these grottos that I can imagine Mary Magdalene teaching there because she lived there, and beautiful wildflowers were everywhere. When I was there, I was so excited. Just absolutely stunning blue lilies. I've never seen them. The only place I saw them was up in these areas where you would be teaching outdoors, not inside the fortress. And so I wandered around out there, and I did the same thing at St. Baum. It was a different situation, but ancient forest. I mean, thousands of year old forest are what I walked through. And, and it's like, you can almost, you, you can, you can feel the messages that come from respecting and, and honoring that the forest is still here. And all the people that have walked through these pathways up to Montsegur or to the other sacred places or up to the caves, huge cave at St. Baum where Mary Magdalene lived for 40 years and she came down off the mountain right before she passed away. And they say that the only thing that she ate was food that the angels brought her. That's interesting. I had not heard that before. That's really, really yeah. different. So are you gonna take tours to France? I feel like you're I feel like you're gonna gear up to do that. That just feels right to me. Well yep. <laughs> you know, <laughs> and I and I have to say, Lavender, that you you know, the information that you've given me over the years, you told me um I I'm not remembering the planets at the moment, but if I'm looking at the chart, it seems like it was up about the eighth or ninth house in my chart, maybe the tenth house that I would be instrumental in healing the feminine and the masculine. And and you we both kind of laughed about it, and you said, I wouldn't touch it with a 10-foot pole, but you can. <laughs> you know? and, and so here's what I've learned in these years, because I pictured it being a man and a woman, okay? So we're going to figure out how to get along in all these different ways and, and match our vibrations and, and you know, this external healing. But what I'm learning in the past year or two and is the Eros Gamos is inside, is balancing my masculine and my feminine you know, the sacred pair that is inside of me all along. And and so the masculine is the part of me that is go, 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 got to get it done. I can't stop until I've got everything done. I just have to, you know, I just know I got to 
finish the dishes, vacuum the floor, da 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 da, all these different things. That's the masculine driving me. With the feminine, you know, we're as a woman, and here's more about sovereignty, is when someone offers you a hand or offers you a gift, the feminine response is thank you. Thank you so much. I really appreciate what you brought or offered or given. And, oh, my gosh, I just love that you're carrying my bags for me. I can do it. I know I can do it. But to receive and let people help us that offer, that's what we're That's very, very true. Very, very true. I'm seeing what time it is. And if if you don't mind, I'd like to pass you over to my co-host, Arielle. She has the switchboard. And there may be some people that want to call in and talk to you. Can you do that for a few moments? Oh, absolutely. I'd love to. And okay. thank you and, so much, Lavendar. And thank you for, for all the work that you do in the name of Starseed. And you stay connected to us. And whenever you start getting your tours together, you let us know so you can come back on the show and, and, and talk about it on our on our radio show, okay? I absolutely will. Okay. Yeah, and, and yep, I will. Okay, and back to you, Ariel. All right. Well, I was just, you know, as you're talking about France, I was um, picturing, you know, a similar trip that that we took um, mm-hmm. in in May of 2012, and the land itself has has been infused by Mary Magdalene um, herself and and other avatars. Um, and I was just I was thinking about um a uh, a message that um was channeled through Gloria Amendola and we always have her oh, on yeah. uh we have her on the last show before Christmas every year. I mm-hmm. think we've done that for the past five or six years. And I don't I know if it was her. last year yeah, the last year or the year before when um when Gloria was on the show um, she had a, a channeled message from Mary Magdalene for the star seeds, and um, the part that really sticks with me is it, you you reminded me of that as um, she explained that um, and she told people to be aware of the stars and the planetary positions and the energies that those generate, and that part of what they did. Um, uh, Mary Magdalene and her her compatriots, um, where they went to all of these places that we now think of as sacred sites, and they actually mm-hmm. left an energy behind in those areas, so that when people like Star Seeds uh, and you <laughs> that that would stand in that land, you are receiving these these hidden frequencies that they mm-hmm. they actually infused into the earth herself in those spots. So um as you were talking, I'm I'm thinking that ties in that ties in so well that you just have to show up. Yes. And and you know, and be in these places and and allow the the situations and experiences to unfold. Because you know, mm-hmm. as you said, if you go, if you go someplace, it's like, okay, I'm going to do this, then I'm going to do that, then I'm going to do this, then I'm going to do that. 
I mean, that's the masculine side wanting to take control and, and plan everything out. But if you just go and allow and, and you know, go with the flow, as they say, um, you'll have a much more enriching experience. And I think that's exactly what you did when you had to, um, you know, uh, part from the person who was not in alignment and you go by yeah. yourself and stand in these places that you got to experience it without any um, external influences or contradictions. And um, and how long ago was it that you were there in France? Oh, this time I went by myself in May of this year. And in May? Actually, I told, yeah, I just went like five months ago. Again, so what it's time, the what, third time. What days? What, what days in May? It was May fourteenth to twenty ninth, I think. So, did so you plan to be there for line. Pleiadian lineup? It was no. That's when the tour was set up, and but I knew the Pleiadian lineup was happening, and also the Japan festival was happening the twenty fourth and twenty fifth down at St. Marie de la Mer, which is the the bay where Mary Magdalene came in on a boat. And that was after the crucifixion. They left Jerusalem because they really, their lives were in danger. And there's two stories about that. That one, they were put on a boat with no oars or sails, and, you know, and we expect that's, there was going to happen like an exile, and the other was that Joseph, Joseph, uh, pardon me, Aramathia, put them on one of his ships. He owned a shipping line and sent them to France, and they came in at Saint Marie de la Mer. Every year, the gypsies have a huge festival, so I was at that, and that's the 24th and 25th of May. And wow. uh, that was amazing. I mean, 10,000 people in this little tiny town. And um, and so they reenact Mary Magdalene coming in. And uh, there's two statues, Black Madonna um, and Sarah. And um, they take the statue down to the water with an escort of 10 men on 10 white horses. And they all go into the water. And and there's so many people. We were like sardines. I, where I happened to be on the beach is where the horses opened up the people to go to the water. So I was right there looking up the horse's nose. And, and, <laughs> um, and all of these people, now I had warnings because it's gypsies, you know, and, and don't let anybody within arm's reach. And, and don't trust anything they say, and don't let them tell you anything. And, and we were like sardines, but I didn't feel any fear. I mean, honestly, the people that were there are in reverence of Mary Magdalene. Everyone, everyone that I talked to in Southern France, they revere her. She, her statue is in the churches, and churches are dedicated to Mary Magdalene, and some to Mother Mary, and it's just, it's incredible to me. And um, so the gypsies are there, they bring the babies 
once a year to be baptized during this so they can be held up in front of these statues and and Mary Magdalene, Mary Jacoby, Sarah, the, the, the baby is seen by the saint and to touch the fabric and for healing. It's such a strong belief that it's just incredible energy of devotion with 10,000 people. <laughs> and and wow. so it was an amazing experience and um, everybody had the cameras up in the air and their phones. It's like, I, I, I don't think there were any pickpockets. I was there at opening ceremony and, you know, it was just an amazing experience. And then the next, well, that was Friday. On Sunday, I went all the way down to um, Marseille and, and um, I'm trying to think what's good. It's a PD, well, it's where the lavender all comes from. On the way up to St. Baum, I was way up in the mountaintop, and there was a horrible big thunder and lightning storm. I ended up just getting a room there in the hostelry and spending the night, and when I hiked up that huge mountain up to the top, they were saying a mass. There were 70 people up there in the cave chapel, and it was Mother's Day in France. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, huh. and and so I stayed up there for quite a while. It was so cold I could see my breath. But down on the ground, the storm passed. Huge whole rainbow came out the night before, and and you know just wonderful experiences. And you know there's so many things that happened in just two weeks that I could write a book just about that. But um, oh, I'm sure, and and I'm <laughs> and I'm also I'm also sure that that things were um, unlocked that are still unfolding. You know, you haven't, yeah. you're not done with that trip yet. <laughs> no. There's still going to be more no. layers. Still going to be more layers. Um, yeah, well, so. we, have, we, have, we have a caller that's going to be um, out of the, uh, the screening room pretty quick here. So we'll, uh, we'll have a, a little chat with one of our listeners. And, okay. Um, let me ask you um, while we're waiting for that. Did you get a chance to go to Gallimus and that uh, that cathedral mm-hmm. that's actually in a cave? Well, no, I didn't make it there. But the the um, yeah, the Gallimus cave. I made it to the Nebius ancient forest, which was oh, just so beautiful, and the ancient forest that goes up to the cave of, at St. Baum, that is a chapel inside. It's not like a big cathedral. Um, but that's an ancient forest as well. And so I went to Renswick Chateau. I got there after they closed, and I just walked around the land in Bukharat and, and got a fabulous sunset picture and went to the uh, Axelis Derm. And um, Ren's, what is it? Ren's term, I'm not sure if that's right. But, but see, a lot of that was moments places. And, and even though they're part of the story, um, 
the places that I ended up spending the most time were outdoor places that were very past. They, they aren't even on maps. Of, you know, if you pick a, a map of tours, you have to find them. And so there were some places that I just couldn't find. And, and I thought, okay, I, I just, there's some place else I'm supposed to be. So that's where I stopped trying to make it happen and just let it happen. Yeah, and yeah, that's that's when the magic can come. Um, is kind of yeah. when you just you know you kind of get out of the way and let it happen. Yes, and then I was kind of on a mission to the different churches that I stopped at. I planted crystals in every single one because I thought you know this was it was the Roman Catholic Church that was a big part of the problem. Even though these churches are dedicated to Mary Magdalene, the history is like we're just healing love all all around, you know, and, and the Giza crystals are connected all around the world and you know, more love and more blessings here. So it goes forwards and backwards in time. And and right. everyone that is, you know, part of that lineage, which is so many people, um, they get the healing from it that, you know, these connections that are being made in the energy. And mm-hmm. and so that's another, you know, listening, the feminine voice is the intuition. And and I just thought, oh, that feels like a great idea. I'm going to do that too. And so I made <laughs> sure they were put where probably no cleaning lady would get to so they'll never be moved. And <laughs> they'll, they'll be there as part of the good work. And, and it just felt so joyous to me to be able to do that in sacred springs and say, so many towns have sacred wells, the town well, that they're in these little small villages. And yeah. I, I, I have, just, I, okay. <laughs> so we have our caller ready to go. Yeah. So um, you will be talking to Christina, who has a question about clearing um things with ancestry. So Christina, you are on the air, so go ahead and ask your question to Marianya. Hi Marianya. Uh we're just res- resonating with some of your message and I'll try to keep it brief. I'm just um finding that I'm I feel like I'm stepping in on my spiritual journey into uh trusting like my higher self more. And I'm just seeing at times like where um, I'm like a lot of I have sometimes go into fear-based thoughts that feel related to me to my mother, like a lot of my mother's energy, and like it feels like it goes back on the maternal line. And I'm looking for any clues in like further clearing that. Okay, that's a great question, and and you're not alone. So many <laughs> women are on similar paths, and so first off, remember that you were an egg in your mother's womb inside your grandmother as your mother was being made, okay? So the energy of your grandmother is a part of this as well as the things that she picked up. Now, unless your family was in a very privileged lifestyle, 
so many women had to work so hard and and went through, you know, these stages of ownership, if you will, that they were not necessarily respected unless they happened to have an exceptional life and partner, husband. So there are superstitions, there's there's things that women just didn't do. And if you happen to be part of a lineage where they were mystics or healers or rebellious, then there was probably some awfulness that happened. Oh, yeah. I think that's all in their different levels. Yeah. That that were tortured. And, And so the fear that permeated their life if they thought outside of the box. Um, they're, they're very real. And, and so if you are being called to heal yourself so that you can expand your awareness more, then there's, there's a whole, um, it's a session I do with the guardian. And and so, but to give you something right now, I would call on the archangels and ask them to guide you, to hold you, and it's just in light, as, that as you do this research, that you can get clear answers. And sometimes it's just feelings. And, and so recognizing the feeling and knowing that this feeling is passed on as a way that women are supposed to quote unquote be. Um, so it's conflicting if your nature is, is different from that. Mm. And, mm. and honor. I think that's always been sort of a thing between my mom and me going way back. I'm a little bit mm-hmm. more of a, I guess, free spirit or something and it's like it still comes up like I just yeah. have things going on with her and I feel from a higher light like I know I mean this must resonate with everybody but like I know she wants to protect me right there's this thing about protecting me yes it's something's coming up right now you know and I realize like but there's I always feel this energy like I'm like I don't want you worrying about me like you're 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 putting the worries out there instead of the you know it's like you're actually like it's her energy of waiting for the next shoe to drop. It's sort of that thing, and it's oh, like as I'm, yes. you know, and it's like her desire. And this goes way back. I can feel it like going way back. And I felt like we clearly were coming, but I I see in myself where like I I switch. It's like I can feel the switch up. Like where you know I can. I mean, I guess that's. I'm trying to say like, don't be afraid of that. Like that's good that you're. It's coming into your awareness, right? So it's like there, yes. it's coming up here. You know, try not to get constricted that you're noticing it. You know, it's like that's the step, right? It's like that, you know, if I can be lighter about noticing where I switch, right, where it's like here's the places where you're easy and you're actually opening more to receiving. And, you know, and then I see I switch back into that old, I can feel this sort of German, my mother's German. It's Uh like, you know, if I don't do and it's like this more controlling like I haven't like what we were just talking about it's like you haven't cleaned your place up and you know it's like all that kind of you know it's like 
Yeah, I don't know if that makes sense. And there are things right now that have to do with, yeah, that are coming up right now even. And I realize, like, I see myself, like, switching between, almost like when I think about her. It's really interesting. Like, I think about her and then I go into this other, it's like I'm a holding energy and a lack energy, too. It's like I feel like it it goes back to all, and I'm like, okay, it's not just her. It's like they all went through, it actually feels like it goes way back. It's like, you know, generations of they went through all these things and and I think it's even around my healing abilities or my, like, when I open up into these, my more maybe even psychic ability, you know, like, I feel that they're not, I'm like my, you know, it's like my mom, that would be scary for her. <laughs> if that makes sense. Of like, course, like, yeah. Well, they burn like, people for that, <laughs> you know? Yeah. And, I'm and so, hmm. yeah, Sorry. and our okay. time right now, it's the, we are called to expand our gifts. We, mm. you know, Mama Earth needs us to help shift the vibration, shift the awareness and, and mm. the focus by helping first ourselves to understand and balance our masculine and feminine inside, the sacred masculine and feminine. And then we can help our our partner, our husband, boyfriend, children, sons, um, fathers, to be able to see them without judgment about what they're mm-hmm. doing and just be be love and mm-hmm. and and then you know and always ask your angels to help you you know orchestrate the details for this and that happening. Oh uh, yeah, that's that's what I'm thinking. That's thank you. That's helpful. I, it's like sometimes I'm doing that naturally, and then I see there's like there's one place where I'm like I'm going back. I can feel it in myself. Like it's like oh you, here's where you're. It's like not knowing the details, right? Like trusting. And jumping out and being like, it's going to be okay. You can you cannot know every little detail and still go forward in your your own path, your own path. Like and 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 holding yeah. like like going into this higher vibration. I feel like it's like I see where I'm kind of getting that more bubbly higher vibration energy. <laughs> yes, and, and like and that's so really where you're you're being helpful to everyone. And then I feel yes. like as soon as I, I it's so funny. It's like as soon as I think of my mom and even a recent conversation we had, it's like I go right back into the, you know, I can just the I feel little it girl. In her. It's, it's like this energetic thing of just like, you know, everything's not going to be yeah. okay. I really try to control it. Well, and if you look at the history, you know, that she lived through, that your grandmother mm-hmm. lived through, frightening times. And yeah. and so of course she carries it if she hasn't done work around it. And it's you know, beyond psychotherapy to to what's being held in the body, because the body remembers everything, the somatics of, of energy and trauma and PTSD is what makes people afraid. And so you're dabbling with something that probably terrifies her. And and so when that energy comes up in you that that you're feeling stuck, that you're feeling limited, that mm. ask yourself, my fear or is this mom's fear? You know, whose fear is it? Because we carry a lot of ancestral stuff, 
And the beautiful thing is, is by shifting and and walking through the fear, that's is what I keep doing. Just walk through the fear because yeah. I'm in my life. Um, it just not only is it like even just a simple thing. Like sometimes I get caught more in my mind, but like at times when I'm sleeping or something, I just am telling myself like just release that into the light, like, and just, like, if I play a lighter game with it, do, do you think that's helpful? It's like, when I see that that's what it is, it's like, even you could be like, is this really mine, or is this that energy? Like, even just doing little things, I'm like, just put a bubble around it, and like, take your little wand, and pop the bubble, <laughs> like, dissolve that, or lift it up, like, release it to the light. Is that a way to do it? Well, or? you're doing two things. That's, you know, that is part of a process. But there may be deeper work that you need to do, which is, is, you know, a lot of people are working with their shadow work, which are the things that, that they don't want to talk about, that are held, they know is there. And it's oftentimes the shadow work just reveals all these beautiful gems that you totally forgot about, kind of like when Lavender takes excursions to the caves for crystals. Well, they're all found in the darkness, too. So we have a lot inside of us that, you know, is hidden that is beautiful parts of ourselves. And so much of it comes from our childhood where we got shut down or quieted or, you know, you can't talk about that or, you know, got in trouble about something that you just pushed that down and you didn't want to do that anymore because, hey, it gets you in trouble, you know. And, um and so we want to heal that, and and so in doing so, we've got to really look at it from different perspectives. And and journaling is a wonderful way to do work by yourself. And mm-hmm. um, and so writing and using um, communicating with your subconscious or your higher mind. If you do journaling where you write a question about something and then you, you set it up that I'm going to get the answers with my non-dominant hand and see what comes forward. And it's a mm-hmm. wonderful way to get information. And and so <laughs> not to minimize... And I'm laughing because actually... You know, that, that you I do that? That's very synchronistic because this morning I sort of had this little urge to do something like that. So that's very yeah. yeah, so this is the second time the thoughts come forward. So, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. Um, but yeah, we, so when we do healing for ourselves, we are also sending healing forwards and backwards in time because we're still all connected. Whether your ancestors are dead or alive doesn't matter. So doing the work for yourself to become the best person that you can be and and where you've let the fears go so they're not influencing your life so much will actually help your mom. Mm, yeah. Beautiful. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Thank you for being on the call. Okay. Thanks for calling in, Christina. Thank you. Okay. Bye-bye. Much love. Much love. (laughs) Okay. Bye-bye. 
Well, that was a good question, and I think that it can help a lot of people because everyone um, it deals with that genetic memory. And yeah. depending on, you know, what happened to your ancestors, um, these things do need to be healed. And as you said, and I'm so glad that you said that, the healing can go backward or forward in time. There's no limit yeah. with that. It's it's about your your intent and your clearing. So um, I'm sure that will help a lot of people. Yes, I think so. And and if you can't find a better reason to do it, do it for the family. <laughs> right, right. Do it for your so, kids. Um, <laughs> yeah, for all the kids. Mm-hmm. So um, I want to um, kind of wrap up here now. So I want to give out your website one more time. It is com, And Marianya is spelled M A R Y. A-I-N-E, and then Curtis, C-U-R-T-I-S, dot com. And you've got, you've got some really um, good material on there. I've, I've checked it out, and um, I really liked the, uh, the photos that you sent me for the, um, for the slideshow for your trip to France mm-hmm. because there's Thank some you. really um, sacred um, places that you were at. So um, I want to thank you so much for being with us this evening. And um, when when you're going to do a, a trip or um, a book, anything, just let Lavendar know, okay? Yes. The the first one will be out on Sovereignty in April, and I absolutely will. And then the next one I hope I can get out with, oh, by next year. Sometime around now, <laughs> it's a big okay. undertaking. So, so, um, and then I, I did want to just uh, mention that I have a gift for your listeners, if you would like to hear about. Oh that. yeah. No. Okay. Okay. So, so that would be to um, offer a phone session that would jump jump start your healing work or in another direction, the healing work that you might like to begin or continue, and a 50% off savings. And so just mention Starseed 2019, and I'll know that you heard the show, and listen to the whole thing, too, because you have to get to the end. <laughs> and and then um, you can... You can contact me through my website. Now, I know it's undergoing um, a change, and so within the month it will probably look very different. I have someone working on it right now, and, and he's really organizing it. He's, he's a wonderful guy and has helped me a lot. And, and so that, again, was like making the choice to not do it myself because it just is so, it's too big of a challenge. For me, and having someone that really knows what they're doing take the reins and do it, and I'm just giving him the material that he needs, and 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 it's wonderful. It's absolutely wonderful. So I'm really excited about that, and and I'm changing inside. So just I just keep metamorphosing, and that's the really wonderful thing about trusting what is happening, trusting myself and and letting you know, the angels help me and people 
help me in saying yes, <laughs> yes, thank you, awesome, thank you. <laughs> it's mm-hmm. it's uh, really just fulfilling and, and wonderful. And so that's what I'd like to leave you with is, is let yourself receive and the only response you really need is thank you. Someone wants to do something yeah. for you, give you something, thank you. <laughs> yes, accept it with grace and gratitude. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And um, as and I said this before, um, a lot of people have trouble receiving. And it, look mm-hmm. at it from this perspective, uh, people that would rather give, and and then when they do, they feel really good. And then mm-hmm. if someone tries to give to you and you say no thank you, you're depriving them of the joy yes. of giving. So always say thank you with gratitude and accept it with mm-hmm. grace. Um, and and give the other person the joy that they're going to feel that they did something nice for you. Yes, so, and I uh, want to take yeah, it they, one, one more step, and that is the universal principles are that if somebody offers you something for a job you did, they offer you money or a gift and appreciation, and you say no, that not only are you stopping your abundance, but you're stopping theirs because you didn't let the flow happen. They wanted to gift you, and you refuse, and so that's a wall. If that's you a good point. If you say yes, then you, the flow keeps going, and and the ripples out. You know, it's a giant web, and it ripples out that people feel better. It's like smiling at people passing by on the street. You smile at somebody who's not smiling. They catch the smile. They're grinning. The next person gets it. And and so these ripples can happen in so many different ways. Oh, absolutely. Giving so, love, um, accepting love. Yes. <laughs> That's a good place to um, to leave it. And I want to mm-hmm. thank you for being with us. And um, we will be back next week. And until then, make a conscious effort to show gratitude and compassion every day. Mm-hmm. Good night, everyone. Good night. You've been listening to Starseed Radio Academy. Visit our website at www.starseedhotline.com. 